We're live. Happy long weekend. Thanks. Happy belated long weekend for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, people don't wish me a long weekend enough. <laughs> like you wish that people would wish you a long weekend on the standard weekend? Every long weekend. I feel like people should be messaging me to, to be like, happy long weekend. <laughs> That's very rude. So are you the type of person who expects birthday wishes on the day of your birthday? No, that doesn't bother me. I don't care about that. But you care about the like Victoria Day long weekend? No, I don't. I was just talking. <laughs> Tony, you look extra bundled up today. I, I don't think it's cold in Ottawa. What's going on? It's not warm. It's like 18. Oh, well, 18 is hot in my world. What? Yeah, I live in a refrigerator. If you could pick, if you could handcraft a climate, what would it be? I don't know, like room temperature, like 67, I suppose. See, that's not room temperature to me. Is room temperature to you like 74? Probably. I don't really know what the conversion is. What is that, like 23? My dad always does the conversion to me, like in a very like fatherly tone, condescendingly. Like you do the math. He shows his work. 74 uh, degrees Canadian divided by two multiplied by 12 over the the temperature coefficient. I is... was following you for a second. <laughs> but yeah, he does do it every single time. Same with um, mental math for tip calculation. He does that all the time. One time when I was a, a kid and my sister was 17, like she sort of casually confessed to always tipping $3 regardless of the bill. <laughs> and so my dad made a point every time we went to a restaurant. He's like, I've lapsed in parenting in this area. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I might have outed Sarah for that, but I don't, I think she'll forgive me. Do you think she listens? She does listen. She, she certainly listened to our episode from like, you know, when we were interviewing mom. Because she wanted to make sure that I didn't have you ask her anything overly humiliating. Well, you, first of all, you didn't have me ask anything. I asked you what you wanted me to ask, and you were like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. just putting you on the spot, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I just, yeah, it's true. You're like, you want to talk to my mom for the first time and record it? <laughs> and record it. <laughs> That isn't like a really scary situation. I'm sorry I did that to you. I need. I now need to reciprocate. I need to talk to your mom. Oh, you should. She's here this weekend. This weekend? Is that enough time? Oh, God. I just got a flash of anxiety. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Get back to me on that. I might feel better about it. You think you can pull it together in six days? I don't think so, because I'm not as, like, A, I'm not as charming as you. How long did it take me, like, two weeks? Maybe. I, you yeah. didn't tell me all that meta information. That's true. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, two active weeks. It was a week of thinking about what to do. Yeah. And then a few days of collecting questions. Right, yeah. The thing is, like, I've always, I've, you're always cool and calm and collective when we interview people, you know, like, for the first time. So are you. I, but no, but I find my stride when I'm like in the middle of talking about something that I think is sub substantive. So I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Finally, I'm not. Well, that's what I did with your mom. Like, we didn't just sit down and then hit record. We chatted for a bit. And then once there was a rhythm, we started recording. Yeah, that's true. And you say your, your, your mom and my mom have the same overall disposition, right? I think it would be 
a similar experience for you meeting my mom as it was for me meeting your mom. Right. Yeah. So I need, I think this would be a good like exercise for me to conquer some, some anxiety. And then we would probably have a really great conversation, obviously. I, I, yeah, I will definitely do it. I just need to find the fucking, the cojones. Okay. Like I said in our last episode, I think you and my mom have complimentary attitudes and senses of humor. Right. I, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but like <laughs> my dad was always the attentive parent and my mom was the cool parent. And so it would, and like, I always used to think that, uh, people thought I was like a big dork in, uh, middle school. And then like my SSPs would meet my mom and be like, oh, you know, Jamie's, Jamie's kind of normal. Okay. All right. So like, Oh, I don't know. I, maybe I'm burying myself in saying this stuff, but I, I, I just thought it would, I, I knew for sure it would work out well because you're both similarly, you're both very similar kind of cheeky people, you know? Yeah. And silly. It, maybe her cheekiness didn't come out as much because she was shy, like I said, but it's there and it's, and it's mutual between you guys. I, I might end up asking like some pretty like probing questions about your childhood and then maybe accidentally throwing her off guard. That's what I'm worried about because you're very lighthearted and like jokey, you know, obviously thoughtful and stuff, but you're not very like, I, I don't know, you don't overwhelm. Like you can't like you come off like very accommodating and patient and everything else. And I may not come off that way because sometimes I end up getting kind of hyper focused and I like sort of lose my. I, I, I lose perspective of who I'm talking to. You know that's true. I think it would be a great conversation. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to put you on the spot because that is a lot. I understand that that's a lot, especially out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I, that's exactly what I did to you, though. It is, yeah. I have to meet attendants every day. I have to yeah. meet different people for work every day. I'm just like, I'm ready to meet people. Yeah, you are. I'm just kind of always in that mindset of like, let's find common ground and get to know each other quickly. Right. I don't think, I'm not saying that you wouldn't be good at it. I just think I have to do it more often than you do. For sure you do. I think you'd be very good at it. You're very good at conversing with new people and finding common ground and all of that. (laughs) I was actually at the movies the other day and I was really bored. So before I decided to take a nap, I was like doing finger exercises in Wait, the movie theater. You were bored during the movie? What movie did you see? Doctor Strange. Oh, what are you, why? It was just like, we decided to go to a movie and that was the one everyone recognized. So we went. You know why you fell asleep, right? Because it was boring. Because it was starring? Because I was tired. <laughs> because it was starring? Because it was cold and I had a blanket on. <laughs> Did you really have a movie theater blanket? I literally had a blanket on. Really? So, but this was like, hasn't it been hot in Ottawa recently? Not really, no. We've had a couple hot days here and there. But like this day, it was like 13 or something. So it's not that you've had difficulty with like body heat regulation of late or something? I'm always cold. Really? It's never too hot for me. Even like if it's if it's plus thirty and there's no air plus thirty is I'm gonna probably rush to get my work done in the morning so I can go outside in the afternoon. Uh, interesting, yeah, yeah. It's your favorite. It's your favorite, right? To be steeped in heat. 
Yeah, I live for that. Yeah. The, the other day, <clears throat> somebody sent me a selfie of you, which is a normal thing that occurs <laughs> for some reason. Like, Was it someone you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, this time it was. Yeah. Somebody sent me a selfie of you in the middle of your life. You were like, you were. It's not a selfie if I didn't take it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's more like espionage. <laughs> yeah. You always look put off a bit because. I have such a bad face for pictures. <laughs> no, you don't. You know, I do. I constantly look like I'm not happy to be anywhere. Whenever someone asks me, like, about you or who you are, I always send them the picture, like your profile shot for your uh, your corporate profile shot because it's really a flattering photo of you. Well, it's also been heavily photoshopped. <laughs> Shit, I can't win. <laughs> anyway, I th- I, as long as you don't say, I send a picture of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Like at his handsomest in the mid mid in a mid season run of Boardwalk Empire, yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing is that comment is like people say things to me a lot. People make jokes at my expense a lot. That's kind of <laughs> how my friends communicate their love for one another, right? So I've been called a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of parts of my physicality and personal personality get put on the grill very often and i'm kind of used to it it kind of just rolls down my back yeah but But when you called me steve (laughs) no i'm sorry it stuck so deep inside me this is totally unwarranted because steve buscemi is one of my favorite actors no but here's the thing i'm starting to understand it now like i'll look in the mirror and look like steve buscemi no. Yeah. No, no, listen, listen. There are photos of young Steve Buscemi when he was a firefighter, and he looks handsome like you do. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I just, it's just not working. Oh, fuck, man. It's all good, though. I, it's the eyes, I think. No, it's not the eyes. I just explicitly said it's not the eyes. I'm pretty sure it does. No, it's the cheekbones and the smile oh the teeth i do have steve buscemi teeth okay people at home know your your best friend jeff knows people at home know you look like steve buscemi (laughs) no 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 that they're that that he has a movie star looks for christ's sake tony he's a movie star (laughs) because he's one of those people you can't quite put your finger on why it's so intriguing to look at him and you realize it's just because he doesn't look like most humans <laughs> oh dear well okay we should we should we just just uh we should establish what uh, like okay what do i look like okay i look like potato head damian lewis no land you look like robert de niro oh sh- <laughs> <laughs> shut it you look like Robert De Niro in his prime, like handsome Robert De Niro. You kind of have the smirk of Robert. You have like Robert De Niro in Meet the Parents, that kind of smirk. No. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So you didn't like uh, Doctor Strange because of Benedict Cumberbatch, we've established. Uh, what else? What? It was kind of one of those things where my friends asked if I wanted to go to a movie. Uh-huh. And I had already sort of agreed to it the day before. One, I really don't like saying no to things, like experiences. Uh, I just, I hate turning them down. I get huge fear of missing out. And I said yes. So then the next day rolled around, it was like, I need to go, but I was so tired. I had got barely any sleep the night before, even less sleep the night before that. And I just, I knew I was not going to stay awake. So I used my points to get a free movie. And I just kind of resigned to using it as a good opportunity to take a nap. Because <laughs> I can't sleep at home. Why? I'm just not a good napper. You can't sleep in the quiet of your own apartment? I can sleep in bed. But if I'm in my chair, I just can't. Like, I really have a hard time just blocking everything out and going for sleep. Why can you sleep in a loud movie theater with a quasi-horror film playing in the background? It's dark. I have a blanket on. There's, like, ambient noise. Uh, I don't know. If I was you, I'd be vibrating with uh, indignation at the presence of Benedict Cumberbatch on the screen. (laughs) I was vibrating with apathy. <laughs> because of your heated blanket? Yeah. It wasn't even plugged in. We couldn't find a plug. Oh, no. You're kidding. You're just sitting there in a blanket. <laughs> fast asleep. In an unheated blanket. Yeah. You need the, the sounds of a summer blockbuster to fucking put you to bed? I think it's because I grew up in a laundry room. I'm just used to, like... People coming in and out, people changing the machines. Maybe there's like some shoes rolling around. That's so weird. Even now, like I, if I'm having a hard time sleeping, I need to put on some white noise or something. Could you, were you allowed to lock the door as a child even? Or did did they just assume that whatever you were doing was not private? No, you can't lock the door. Uh, I lived on the outside of the house. So there's no way to lock the door. My bedroom door, leaving my bedroom, was technically entering the house. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I lived in... So your fucking fucking room was like a mudroom. It was like the room before the house. It was the garage, yeah. Good Lord, Tony. I mean, when I first moved in, I had a room that didn't have any... Didn't have a wall or a door. It, It just had a divider. And then, then they eventually moved me upstairs to a bedroom, but then it got too much for them back to carry me up and down the stairs. So they put you in the crawl space? So they put me in the garage. <laughs> God. And then they be- built my own bathroom on the garage, too. Oh, my goodness. So I had, like, a pretty sweet room. How accommodating. Like, 10 years later or what? It was awesome because my my bedroom door was, like, a three-inch thick steel door so if you close it it's fully insulated you can't hear anything that's going on in the other room so i could just close the door blast my music and just be in a different world until somebody needed to change a load of laundry (laughs) okay so as long as you make sure you don't ask them questions out of judgment i know because i feel like so many stories i tell you you like think that i was abused or something well i just I'm trying to think, like, as a teenager, did you even have a moment to yourself? Or were you always basically just waiting for them to barge in on you? 
if I, sometimes I would get home and my parents wouldn't be there yet. <laughs> and then so I was like, all right, until I see that car coming down the driveway, I got some time. So that's when you put on all your, uh, all your like burnt CDRs with salacious music videos on them? It's when I would start using dial-up internet without asking for permission. <laughs> What's the most rebellious thing you ever did as a teenager before Carlton? Probably just like skipping class. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you told me about that on the podcast before. I skipped class only once, and it, my classmates made me do it. Sometimes I would use my computer skills to my advantage. Like, I would set up a program to automatically connect to the internet while everyone was sleeping, even me, and start downloading stuff during the night. Cool. Because we only had one phone line. So if you had the internet running, then you couldn't make a phone call. Yeah, we were in that same situation on, like until about 2002 or three. So you got high speeds? Yeah, we did. So anything else? How was your long weekend? It was okay. I, uh, I spent a lot of time in the outdoors, like just in the backyard. Nice. Were you gardening? No, I'm not gardening. I started using my walker again, kind of slowly but surely. So yeah. going for like, like small 20-minute walks here and there. That felt really good. I got some sun and I got a haircut, which was nice. I see that. Yeah. I didn't really get up to anything super special. I beat a video game. Do you want to hear about the video game I beat? Sure don't, but I feel like you're about to tell me. No, I will not tell you. I promise. It was Doom 2016. It was really good. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I won't tell you, but let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah. So I did that and... uh, I caught up on some stuff at work, which I know you're not supposed to do on the long weekend, but I just felt like I needed to do it. I got a lot yeah, of sleep. Yeah, I did a little bit of work too. Yeah. I've been watching uh, some TV shows that I'm really into. I've been watching The Staircase. That seems like a show we definitely can't cover on this show. Yeah, no, we can cover The Staircase. The Staircase is a TV show. <clears throat> Sorry, not a TV show. It's based on a documentary, but it's a... Um, dramatic reenactment of a documentary or of a period of time where a murder occurred. Are you still going through this true crime phase? I am still going through the true crime phase. <laughs> but Tony, listen, like, let let me just tell you the premise and then I'll tell you why it's worthy of the podcast. We have all kinds of experience with evil staircases. That is true. Yeah, so we obviously we should... Uh, be consuming for the podcast a true crime adaptation in which a staircase is the fucking murder weapon. Okay, continue. Yeah, that's that's my pitch. That's all. I won't I won't elaborate any further on why the show is good. It just has like universally fantastic performances. From Wait, are you first. being serious that it is relevant? No, but I I think it would be funny at least to cover it like ironically. I think you just did. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the staircase is fucking awesome. Better Call Saul is really good as well. Do you feel guilty when it's nice out and you're inside watching TV? Because I feel like real guilt, like I'm wasting my time. Not really, because the outdoors are not very accessible. And so I can always rationalize being indoors. Even if you're in Ottawa, like an accessible city, well, relatively accessible. Yeah, when I'm in Ottawa, I'm always out and about because I can be. And I just, I love being among foot traffic. It's my favorite thing in the world. So yeah, I would much rather be outside in Ottawa. But in Thunder Bay, like if I go outside, 
you know, what am I doing? I'm lost. I I look feral. You don't have foot traffic in Thunder Bay? The, you have, like, you know, the odd people in sneakers, like, uh, doing their daily aerobics. Not Not much else. Like, it's not like people are walking places to go places. They're walking usually to exercise. I know. Yeah. Another reason for you to come to Ottawa. What if you just did a dry run? Like, a... I've been pitching this forever, but come to a weekend. Just a weekend? I know what it's like to live in Ottawa. I know I love it there. It's one thing to know intellectually, but it's another thing to feel it. Can I bring one of my shithole buddies? No, here's what I'll do. I'll come I'll come for my vacation week in July, and I'll bring one of my shithole buddies, and we'll stay in that, you know that pool house bar? on McLa- It's called McLaren's? Yeah. Yeah, they have really good accessible suites. I'll stay there with my buddy and uh, and I'll like hang out with you every day. Okay. Yeah, except for the days when you need to go have a nap at the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. That is exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. So anything else in your mind? Anything uh, tickling your brain lately? Any thoughts you've had about life, disability, anything? I came up with a business plan. Okay. We go half these... On a wheelchair accessible van. Okay. And we rent out a driver. Okay. We just corner the market of accessible transportation in Ottawa. So we just start a competing paratranspo? Basically, all we'd have to do is supply a vehicle and driver to Uber and be Ottawa's first and only accessible Uber. What's a catchy name for accessible Uber? No, but there already is accessible Ubers. Oh, okay. But they don't exist in, in Ottawa. So let me backtrack. Here's what happened. I was trying to go to a friend's place, and it was a last-minute arrangement. So as you know, if you want to go somewhere last-minute, you can't really take paratransport because of paratransport, um, amazing accessible transit system. Wait, is last-minute arrangement a euphemism for booty call? No, it was just same-day plans. Uh, okay, yeah, so you, you packed your toothbrush? Yeah, so I couldn't get a cab, so I rode my toothbrush. <laughs> I was trying to link it back to your whole conversation about what is the next step in a relationship. Is it the ramp or the toothbrush? It's the ramp. <laughs> so you packed your ramp and your toothbrush? So I brought my ramp and my toothbrush. Yeah. One of them is bigger than the other. <laughs> the toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> that is really stupid, but it's definitely staying in. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, all right, well, I'm down to go, but I'd have to find a ride. Because it's not really a place where I can easily just take a bus or, you know. So I call for a cab because... I knew para wasn't going to be an option. I actually did try para, and they just said, you know, we don't have anything. You can maybe try back later, but it's we're fully booked and there's been no cancellations. I fucking hate cabs, man. Sometimes I've had cabs pull up in larger cities and then drive away because they realize that it's going to take too long to put me in the cab. Right. Cabs are terrible in yeah. general, but since COVID, it feels like all of the cab drivers we're probably not having any business because disabled people weren't leaving. So it seems like a lot of them just ended up working for paratransport. Interesting. So now when you try to get a cab, 
there are literally no cabs. Like, they even tell you on their answering machine, the operator that you call, the robot operator, says if you're looking for an accessible taxi, we can't guarantee one. You're really stuck without options. So I ended up talking to this dispatcher and I explained my situation, which is I want to go somewhere and I'm disabled. (laughs) And they're like, well, we can try, but we can't guarantee anything. And then I said, well, what happens if you get me there and then I need to come home as well? They're like, yeah, but we can't guarantee anything. So basically what they're saying is, they won't let you book a cab in advance because they can't guarantee that there will be a driver at that time. Even though in my head, the more notice you give them, the more they should be able to say, hey, can someone be ready for this future call? I ended up risking it, booking a taxi. The taxi shows up. So then I eventually get there. And the whole time, I'm just thinking about, when, how am I going to get home? Like, I, I might be stuck here. I ended up having to call paratranspo and basically just plead my case. I can't get a cab home. I know you have nothing available, but I'll take anything. Like just pick a time and I'll be there. And they eventually accommodated me. It's outrageous how inaccessible the city is if you don't plan a day before or if you don't have someone in your if you don't have a van. For sure. It's a fucking nightmare. So we start Uber for wheelchair accessible vehicles. They have them in Toronto. They have they have a specific Uber service for wheelchair accessibility. Yeah, it's called Uber Wave wheelchair accessible vehicle. So it's a branch of Uber. Yeah, you know how there's like Uber X and then Uber Black and Uber. Can't you like contact Uber and like convince them to start a branch of like Uber accessible in Ottawa? No, I think you just have to be a driver. Oh, okay, okay. You just have to supply a vehicle. Maybe so they, you... maybe they do some sort of cost sharing. Because I, I don't know if they still do that, but I know at some point early on, Uber was doing some financing to help people get luxury vehicles to sign up for Uber Black. Okay. Anyway, it was just super crazy that in 2022, you can't be spontaneous and disabled. No, it's just... That is absolutely wild and so frustrating. Uh, like the percentage of time that you spent hanging out with your friends of that time, you probably spent like a 15% of it just like trying to figure out what your fucking ride situation was, right? Yeah. And then I also had to, because I was like, oh, probably leave around 11. So at 9.30, I called oh, to God. just be like anything between now and whatever. And then they were like, okay, yeah, we have one there in 15 minutes. So then I have to leave early right? because I have to take what I can get. It's exactly like, uh, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Yeah. Like you're basically pleading. And then you have to like grovel and feel guilty on some level. Yeah. And it's very, very stressful and borderline confrontational. There's also just like organizational ineptitude in these services where they basically put everything on the client and they're, they, they will, they're very, very quick to blame the person in the wheelchair for why drivers are late or what's happening. And it's so, so frustrating. I've tried to make, I've been basically like abandoned at work a number of times. Yeah. And luckily I have the ability to use the city bus from time to time 
to be able to get home. And there's a city bus that goes right through like the main artery of the TVTEL campus. And so I can hop on, but I'm also taking a risk because not all the buses in Thunder Bay, the public transportation buses are hydraulic. So there's a good chance that you could get abandoned a few times while you're waiting for the right bus to show up at your stop. And so I don't like to do that. But in any case, I've been abandoned at work because of paratransport a number of times. They can't get resources and they're not able to call a cab to come get me instead for the same reason that you're talking about. There's no accessible cabs on the road currently for the companies that they typically consult for these purposes. So there's like the interesting thing is that if you call them and you try to confront them, they all just say like, I'm sorry, this is a reality of the service. And maybe you should consider being ready for your ride a little bit earlier. And then you're like, well, I like the terms of my employment are that I'm at work from like X to Y time. And I can't, I don't, that's not really negotiable and I need to be able to live a life. <laughs> like would an actual solution, I don't know if this is totally stupid, but would an actual solution be to, like invest in your own accessible van, which uh, which outright already is an outrageous cost. Basically get your own wheels and then through direct funding, have someone on your direct funding who can pick you up at odd hours. This is exactly what my business plan is. So you and I, 50-50 a van, yeah. we get a driver. Yeah. When one of us needs the van, it's always there. If we bolt in the van, it can just pick you up and then do a loop and pick me up. Right. And then when we're not using the van, that driver can make money off Uber. Interesting. Wouldn't the insurance get complicated, though? I don't think so. It's the same as any Uber. Like, there are wheelchair accessible Ubers in bigger cities. I actually know someone who bought a van in Toronto and makes a, a living off of being an Uber cab driver. How much would an accessible van, a retrofitted, fully accessible van be, be like 60 grand? New, yeah, probably like 60 to 80, somewhere in that range. Holy Used, fuck. you can like, you can get lucky and maybe find one for 45 if you're really lucky. If we split a new one, it would be like over over half our annual income easily. Just for the fucking van. Yeah, well, you pay payments. It's not, you have to buy it in cash like a drug deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But still, that is still such a fucking pricey scenario for something that may not actually. Is it though? Because I bet you if we advertise that we had the only accessible option for spontaneous travel, if you're in a wheelchair in Ottawa. Then all of our friends would use it for sure all the yeah. time. Like they would be, they would be busy with our our internal clientele. At the very least, it would offset the cost of the lease, right? And then we still have a van, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be quite a good idea. We'll have to crunch some numbers, but I think there's something there because I would have paid. I ended up having to have my friend who has a van on standby. Just being like, if I can't get a ride tonight. Oh, man. It's like, it's so sad that it's a kind of uh, insecurity. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to be fully present because the whole time there's this loop going on in the back of my head, like, am I going to get home okay? Right. But these are problems that, you know, you kind of learn if you're not, if you're not disabled, you learn to solve these problems of like getting around and 
uh, I don't know, delegating your time for commuting, <clears throat> like as a young person, yeah, you learn how to organize so that you can be places on time and do stuff properly. And when you're disabled, it's like you you hope at some point that as you enter your 30s that you have some reliable solution to all of these fucking fundamental problems. Right. You know what I mean? But you never quite do. And so you're always kind of held back. Because there aren't solutions. Yeah. And or if there are, they don't involve us. Exactly. They are like uh, patchwork solutions for the convenience of our care administers. Right. And it's never enough. And when you try to push back, like your your care workers like assert their needs before yours. It has to be this way because otherwise I can't help you. So do you want help or do you want to lay in bed all day? Right. And it's like, it's so fucking frustrating because it's the reality of, of so many disabled people forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that, that horseshit we were talking about a few podcast episodes ago about the, the wheelchair technicians who, uh, who tell us not to drive our chairs fast. Just don't work parties same day. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. That's, that's not how parties happen in the summer. Just make your plans the day before. Stupid. <laughs> don't you know you're disabled? Did nobody tell you you can't leave after midnight? <laughs> the cripple curfew. Should we talk about a movie? Yeah, let's talk about a movie for a little while. Can you do it? Because I don't know what we watched. <laughs> you want me to do the whole thing by myself? Yeah, I'll just let me grab a blanket real quick. <laughs> yeah. So you don't like you didn't actually watch Doctor Strange then? I woke up a couple times during the movie. Was it because of Elizabeth Olsen? I remember there. I remember waking up once, uh-huh. and I'm not going to give it away because it might be a spoiler, but. There was a character I saw on screen, and it was just so outrageous that this person was on screen randomly in this movie. I just started laughing and then went back to sleep. <laughs> That's a perfect review of the state of Marvel films. Yeah. I'm assuming, well, yeah, I'm, I know the spoiler that you're talking about. And in which case, we might also have to review it for the podcast. Spoiler. True. Uh, I don't want to ever cover Professor Xavier, even though I know you're going to make me. We for sure will. If you could move things around with your mind, you would. <laughs> I totally would. I would grab those nachos behind me so quickly. Hold the shower head myself. <laughs> make my own smoothie. I would be unstoppable. <laughs> Can we do Matilda? Yes. That would be fun. I would love to do Matilda. Yeah, I I have a fucking axe to grind with uh with Professor uh, Principal Trunchable. Oh yeah, she's the worst, worst villain ever. Her and her fucking triple layer chocolate cake. Oh yeah, we should definitely do that. So anyway, um, Mister Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> How do you feel about the Matrix? Well, Trinity, I think I love you. Well, my impression is just me talking. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> what we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> I'll be back.
<laughs> is this a this is a total unnecessary aside, but Arnold Schwarzenegger's son is in the staircase and he looks like fucking Topher Grace. Arnold must be so ashamed. I don't know who Topher Grace is, but Arnold would rip you apart if you said that to him. You don't know who Topher Grace yeah, you've watched that 70s show. You know, yeah, like, he's the lead character in that 70s show. You know what I'm talking about. Eric Foreman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. He looks like fucking Topher Grace. His name is Topher? Yeah, Topher. I just assumed his name was actually Eric. <laughs> you really need to brush up on your actors' names, Anthony. You host a film podcast. <laughs> I really don't need to do that, though. We don't need two of you. <laughs> That's true. It's way too much. Yeah, well, you don't need two of me. We've talked about the balance being very good for this show. Okay, so anyway, what we watched this week was another short film, because I think we've been kind of stretched thin in other avenues of our lives lately. Okay, but let's be honest here. We watched this last week. We did, which is why you don't remember it. Any of it. And I watched it twice (laughs) in preparation for last week. And then we got through the episode last week. And we were like, we, we don't need to cover both of these. Uh, yeah, because we because the conversation went on long. No, I'm happy we didn't. But now I've forgotten everything. My plan was to rewatch it, but I just, honestly, if I'm being honest, couldn't be bothered. <laughs> That's a perfect review. I was so bored the first two times. Really? I also just like, this is probably short-sighted on my part but i can't really get into cartoons big mouth is funny i watched archer a little bit i've watched a couple of the simpsons with you yeah you like the simpsons or were you were you i watched a bit of family guy as a kid (laughs) you're just gonna list i'm just listening (laughs) by the end of the summer i love cartoons (laughs) you're just gonna list every cartoon you've ever fucking watched i don't know there's something about it I've had attendants try to get me get me into anime during my dinner calls, and I just can't do it. Well, I have to say, there's only a few animes that have really like caught my attention, and I've watched them all the way through. I grew up with a lot of like Japanese video games, which are always incredibly well crafted, like structurally and, and like Final me- Fantasy. Yeah, and mechanically, like they are genuine epics and major accomplishments like like huge touchstones of the industry so i have a huge respect for like anime and video games that come out of like pretty much any media that comes out of japan but i what's interesting is i love 3d animation right well that's a that's also kind of that tickles your your professional domain a little bit i guess yeah but even as a kid i liked veggie tales <laughs> <laughs> that's 3d i remember at one point telling my dad when i grow up i want to be able to make veggie tales like <laughs> that was my dream was to be able to animate and 3d model so that i could be like the guys who make veggie tales and my dad's response was i don't think that's hard <laughs> <laughs> he was like, i think the real part is the audio in this show <laughs> he's like he was like you're not trying hard enough yeah he's like aim higher you big loser <laughs> you'll find out very quickly that your goals suck <laughs> you like want to make veggie tales the avocado edition 
Okay. So all of that is to say that I like there's only been a couple of animes that I've watched the whole way through and appreciated because I quite often I kind of lose interest. like anime is strange because it will it will deal with a lot of like i want to say like like immature or salacious iconography but then it will also have a lot of very like complex and interesting themes so it'll be like targeted at adults thematically but then somewhat uh prepubescent in other elements and then but then you have you also contrast that with the with the visual sophistication of the animation, like just even this short that we watched for today's episode, the quality of the end, the animation is totally sublime. Like they're basically really? like drawing. Yeah, I, I think so. They're drawing and animating the character for each frame. And it's like very, uh, excruciatingly detailed. Definitely excruciating. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I just mean that like the physiology of the runner in this, it. We should explain the the premise of it. I was just thinking about Into the Spider Verse. That's a two D ish, right? It's a two and a half D, and I loved it. There's also a lot of three D animation sort of interspliced. Yeah, I just love the art style, the art direction. For it's sure, so unique. Whereas to me, the Animatrix was another cartoon. Well, you have to realize too that the Animatrix was. I think like a mid-budget sort of direct-to-video production uh, that came as it was like a multimedia project that the the Wachowskis sort of embarked upon. Was this done by the Wachowskis? I, it was at the very least uh, directed by them. Because like Keanu was in it, right? No, the whole point of the Animatrix was to tell like a dozen different stories about characters that are not part of the main arc of the of the films and so it was like a an effort by the wachowskis they also created a couple video games as well that were quite well done like they're quite reputable and i remember playing them back in the day and really enjoying them they don't hold up uh they're not timeless of course but they're like for movie tie-in video games they are very very well done no keanu is in this dude He's in the the Animatrix? Yeah, as Neo in uh, the segment called Kid's Story. Oh. Which we didn't watch for this. He wasn't in the clip that we watched. No, he wasn't in the short film that we watched. The the Animatrix is a series of short films back-to-back. And the point of it is not really to focus on the main characters from the film. So, so Neo might have shown up in one of the shorts, but he's probably just like a brief kind of Jesus figure, like witnessed by some child who's playing basketball in the Matrix, if I recall correctly. I don't know. Anyway, it's this little ambitious project to try to flesh out that universe to show the potential for the Matrix to tell a, a multitude of different kinds of stories across uh, many different styles of storytelling. Great time for a nap, too, though. <laughs> I remember watching it like way back in 2002 in high school or middle school or something. And it stayed on my DVR for like years because I would always kind of go back to it because I was a little bit obsessed with The Matrix when I was a, a 14 and 15, I think, as a lot of kids in our generation were back in the day. And I remember really liking it. And this segment here with the, the that we covered for the podcast stood out to me again as one of the rare 
instances of a character in a wheelchair featured prominently. And I never forgot it because I did kind of took issue or um, bridge with the portrait. Did you relate to him? No. So the story is, let me see if I got this right. Yep. There's a kid or a man who's a runner and yeah. he's so close to setting the world record of nine minutes. Nine seconds. It's a hundred meter dash. Yeah. Okay. Nine seconds. He runs and he's like, I'm going to do it. And they're <laughs> like, don't do it. You'll be disabled if you do it any faster. And he's like, I don't care. I'm, I know what's in it for me. And he does it so good that he becomes disabled and beats his record and then ends up in a wheelchair and still can run. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I like pretty close. If you had to give me a mark out of 100. <laughs> I, I give that like a 77. Oh, that's still like a B plus. Yeah, yeah. I give you a B plus for your book report on the Matrix uh, fucking short story. Okay. Can you give me the answer key? Yeah. So basically, um, as Tony said, it's a professional athlete who's training against the advice of his coach to participate in the uh a thousand meter dash or whatever and he's a world record setting athlete and he's on the verge of losing that record or people are projecting that he will lose and so he needs to be able to prove that he's still a viable person a viable athlete and uh complete this race but throughout the course of the race which occurs in slow motion while we are given flashbacks into this runner's life and the circumstances that brought him to this point he starts to push his body to the limit, like way beyond uh, what he's physically capable of. And the thesis of the short, like from the start, there's a, a narrator who comes on and says, you know, a lot of people become aware of the matrix from kind of pensive thought and introspection and self-awareness. They do a lot of uh, mental overhead to be able to get to the point where they can realize that this is all a simulation and essentially be able to prioritize what is important about life. But some people find themselves waking up from, from other circumstances, basically. They get on the path to self-actualization by other means. And the, the show's like, yeah, you know, these, this is one of those situations. I'm losing my words, I apologize. But so, yeah, so basically while this guy is running, he pushes his body so hard that he experiences ego death and he wakes up inadvertently from the matrix. And there are agents on the periphery who are watching him while this is happening. They know that he has the potential to become or to perform such a miraculous feat of physicality that he could become a threat to them. So they're 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 making sure that uh, he stays in the matrix. So this guy runs and runs and runs. And while he's running, like the animation is so, as I said earlier, excruciating in how it kind of uh, captures every like uh, push of muscle fiber or flex of a muscle. And you see like all the the detail of perspiration and exasperation. And it, it feels like only anime could kind of capture all of these little details so even though the story itself is kind of like reductive and simplistic like the visual style is obviously very there's a lot of talent on the screen 
that I witnessed that maybe Tony disagrees with. I just didn't witness it because I was barely paying attention. So yeah, so eventually there's a point where something in his body literally snaps and then it sort of cascades upward like from his legs like all the way up to his brain and he just like falls down and stumbles for a number of seconds. And he's just kind of laying there uh, in a state of uh, oncoming disability. (laughs) And so it cuts to the following scene where we have our hero uh, bound to a wheelchair in kind of a quite a, uh, 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 like, this is his lowest point for sure. And there's like a nurse who's kind of like talking to him, kind of rambling about her. She's sort of uh, vomiting her inner monologue at him, which I think is a trope of these movies where people go to institutions and the care workers overshare with the patients because the patients have no autonomy or like no dignity. So it's like, whatever, you're a sounding board for my problems. And so they like this nurse is basically talking at the runner who's now seems to be catatonic and unable to move. And the 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 agent who's been tracking like Mr. Smith who's been tracking this athlete is kind of doing a postmortem of what occurred like thinking like oh yeah you know this guy is not a threat like he he broke his body in the process of potentially waking up and now we don't have to worry about him an interesting case but nothing to be concerned about his memory of the race was expunged with no residual effects He will never run again. He will never walk again, for that matter. We'll continue monitoring him for a while, but anticipate no problems. A record that will live on in people's memories for years to come. What more could anyone ask for? Did you say something? Sit down. So yeah, the the end of the segment literally is um, our runner kind of coming out of his catatonic state and he's having basically his Neo moment, you know, like at the end of the Matrix when he sort of realizes he's the one and a bunch of machine gun bullets start coming at him and he's like, no, and he flexes his arms and the Matrix like bends around him and you're like, holy shit, he's the one. So then you have that moment where it's like the athlete is kind of a, you know, a Neo copy. And he's going to get up and presumably kick the the agent's ass or something. I don't know. But um, the whole portrait of disability in this segment is quite reminiscent of all the movies that we've watched where our hero becomes disabled and then like the villain doesn't consider him a threat anymore. He's like literally like, well, the guy got his his fucking athletic record. So he's proven his point. Like, you know, he'll be uh, he'll be heralded as a hero by sports fans for years and years to come. What more could a person ask for? There's no greater form of validation than some demonstration of physical mastery. And the guy like is clearly never going, not only is he never going to run, but he's never going to walk. So he's not even like anything to worry about. And, you know, fuck this. And so the mate, the fucking agent is starting to leave. And then he starts to get up, which is like, you know, oh, he is an actual threat because he is able-bodied. And it's like, no. And you're like, well, why couldn't he be a threat? Because he fucking achieved self-actualization. He he went through ego death and he knows that the matrix is fake. And why 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 isn't he a threat from his wheelchair with this knowledge, uh, fucking agent guy? Like, come on, dude. 
So, I mean, what I've learned from this is that my version was also perfect. <laughs> sure. It reminds me of Nike's. Remember when they their slogan was, if you have a body, you're an athlete? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, Nike used to say that. When? Yesterday. <laughs> it doesn't matter when. Okay, yeah, well. I don't know. Okay, yeah. I think I might even still be part of their like, value statement or their vision statement. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you can be an athlete and also not able to run. And this guy could be a threat. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Also, there's a weird little detail where they actually chain him to the chair. Like, I don't know if you if you heard that sound effect of the snapping when he's like, he's like, no, I'm going to get up now. And then you hear a snap. That's like the restraint that he has. And I'm thinking, like, why did they literally bolt him to the chair? It's 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 just so that they could show that he got up with a certain amount of fortitude. Like, brah, I could break the chains of my fucking uh, wheelchair confinement and I'm going to own Hugo Weaving. Isn't it because they were not fully sure that he was able to walk? Well, I assume it's that so he would stay upright. The same reason as why that people have harnesses and seatbelts on their chairs. But it's just like a stupid detail where they just like assume that they would bind his ankles to the chair with like a metal clasp and a, a literal bolt. Yeah. Did you watch it again for this week? Or this just stayed in your head? It stayed in my head for years and years. What? Because, because I've, Tony, I've like, barely I barely even paid attention to that first. Listen, time. listen, like, The Matrix is one of the most important movies of our, of our, like, growing up, of our childhood. Okay. I, I don't know about, I don't know if important feels like a big word. It's a classic. It's a great movie. I like it, but important. It has immaculate special effects. It's like commenting on the, 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 the nation. This is where of we diverge in media. I just like, it feels like you can't say a movie is important. It's just a movie. It's just the Matrix it's, is just a it's movie. It's a good, it's a great movie. It's like literally, uh, set a standard for action films going forward. Like there was a, there was like before the matrix and after the matrix. That's how you know it was. <laughs> but I don't pick a movie. And I won't <laughs> be able to tell you if it was before or after the matrix. <laughs> Face off. Yes. It was before the matrix. Was that a guess? Yeah. Yeah. It was 97. I still don't know when the matrix was. 99. <laughs> Come on, Tony. Okay. It's the fucking Matrix. Your brain is just a timeline of movie releases. <laughs> That's all it is? It's just everything is before or after some movie. True. Like, that's how you remember dates. It's it just is. like, I mean, hey, do you remember that time we went to the mall? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the same time. Toy Story 3 came out. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Okay, so you're right. I'm on the spectrum. All right. So I see what you're saying. It is a seminal film in that changed the way we think about things. And maybe I was being harsh to say that no movie is important because 
it's like art. Like some of it does draw up important discourse on, you know, some subjects or film techniques, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, you're never going to get any traction with me saying that movies aren't important. Come on now. It's such a pretentious word to use for a movie. Okay. Well, to me, movies are just like super fun escapism. I don't know, maybe like Schindler's List, but The Matrix? Because of the 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 weightfulness of its subject matter? Yeah. Well, The Matrix has a lot of, it has a lot of, I guess, boilerplate philosophical questions about like identity and the nature of being and our relationship with technology and whether technology is deterministic or non-deterministic. But none of those were the reasons you made it important. You're like, yeah, but Neo can bend backwards. Well, it's fucking cool. It is cool. I don't want to disagree with that. I love The Matrix. Important just feels like there's a heft to that word. Okay, so whenever I say the, the word important, please append the words to me at the end of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that changes everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Withdrawn. Case dismissed. You don't, like, you're telling me that the last time you watched The Matrix, you didn't get shivers? Like when Neo realized he was the one, no. he starts, really? Like I just rewatched it a few months ago with my friends and it's a fun movie. It's a great time, uh -huh. but it's just like a fun time. It's not, I didn't feel like the heft of it. It didn't feel like a weighty movie. It has such a cool aesthetic and all the performances are perfect. It does. I'm not saying that's not true. Yeah. But just saying it's important. Carrie Ann Moss is so pretty. It's important that disabled people are treated equally. The Matrix <laughs> is not important. <laughs> but I think the Matrix is important for its ability to introduce like a, a baseline of like philosophy and existentialism. I think I agree with what you're saying 100%. I just struggle with the word important. All right. It feels grandiose. So all of what I'm trying to say is that what this short attempts to do is ask the question, what if Neo was a disabled well, guy? Flat. Oh. Well, Keanu is quite flat, actually, in his delivery overall. And that I, I would argue that that's part of his appeal. That's the importance. Yeah, that's Keanu's importance. Yeah, what if Neo was disabled? But I don't know. Just to play devil's advocate... Isn't that giving kind of a wrong message that you can just, if you will yourself hard enough, you can overcome it? Well, I think that's probably what I'm trying to say is that there, there's a problem with how this, how disability, <laughs> there's a problem with how disability is represented in this short. And that is important. Yeah. And there, thank you. And there's a, um, but it's still sort of exciting to see that they attempted to do this. Like they attempted to give a disabled guy his fucking Neo moment. And I got excited about that as a kid. What would be your Neo moment? I was like, imagine if I was at the, in, at the, in the schoolyard and they're playing four square and they're throwing the ball around and I'm in my like reverse K walker, like walking down the pavement and someone throws the ball right at my crotch and I can't stop it because to put my hands in front of my crotch is to fall over, which is actually what happened in real life. Imagine if I had my <laughs> disabled Neo moment and I was like, no. And then, and then you know, the world bent around me and I was able to deflect the ball away from my balls. <laughs> See, now this 
would be an important movie. <laughs> right. So, but... I would love to film that short with you. Let's do it. You in a K-Walker, you picture your legs scraping across the cement as you, like, struggle to get one foot in front of the other. Scraping is the word. Yeah. Have I told you about my steel toe boots and how <laughs> I, I have a whole... I have a whole like mudroom full of worn out steel toe boots. One time I went to Payless and they had these awful like teal boots that were like discounted like in the back of the store because no one wanted to buy them because they were so fucking ugly. And you're like, these are important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, these are important to me. And I bought a dozen of them for like $80. Like a dozen pairs, 24 shoes. Yeah, this was this was like this was like uh, six or seven years ago. My girlfriend and I used to go for walks daily, and I wore them out. Uh, I wore like half of them. They were just practicality. Yeah, because because the, like you know, once I use a pair of steel toe boots for let's say four months, they I wore them down to the point where I'm literally scraping the metal plate of the steel toe on the on the sidewalk. Just like starting fires under your feet. Yeah, okay, there was literally occasionally like sparks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite brutal actually. I, okay, I guess it's so quite... yeah, this short that you've now put into my head of you scraping down the street, sparks flying, <laughs> and then there's kids playing foot soccer on the driveway, and one of the kids misses a shot. No, they don't. They, they, there's like explicitly like a soccer bully who would kick the ball at, at me. Oh, okay, yeah. So he tries to kick it in your balls. Yeah. And you, <laughs> in your neo moment of importance, stop using your K Walker. Reach down. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love this. Yeah, yeah. And, and stop the ball. But that was not this. No, it wasn't. But what I wanted to say was, I felt the notes of a good, like, disabled story in this. I saw the effort on the screen, and I saw the the desire to represent some form of otherness in 2003. But it wasn't even, what if Neo was disabled, was it? Wasn't it, what if Neo became disabled? Yes. and And that was the route to his... Uh, ego death and self-actualization. Yeah, his enlightenment. Thank you. Right. Yeah, I see why you think it's important. And maybe I didn't give it a fair chance because I didn't watch it because it was a cartoon. <laughs> Don't call animes cartoons. They're not cartoons. Cartoons Cartoons happen on the, on the Teletoon network after midnight. The, the cartoons are Ren and Stimpy. An anime is a fucking... Like potentially adult feature. That's just movie versus film. <laughs> it's the same thing. You sound exactly like my dad. What are you doing there? Sitting watching cartoons, Joe. You're 34. You want me to list more? Because I like some. <laughs> no. But I agree with your dad. It's it's just a word that adults use to feel better about saying that they're watching cartoons. I think there's a generation of people who feel slighted when something within the animated medium kind of like escapes them oh you're telling me i'm stupid <laughs> no yes. i'm telling you I, i'm you're telling saying, you that 
because I didn't realize the importance of the animatrix, <laughs> I feel slighted by its genius. No, like you watched the Pixar film uh, with Amy Poehler called Inside Out, right? I loved that, it. Yeah, that beautiful movie about emotional intelligence. I loved it. Yeah, you fucking watched that and you loved it. Sure did. Okay, I took my dad to that. And I and, and I took my mom and dad to that because they were visiting me in Ottawa at the time and we went to a matinee. And they're like, I don't want to talk to you, but let's go to a movie. Uh, well, no, because we always would go to movies because my family is sort of as obsessed with movies as I am. Just they right. would never say that. So we, we went to see it and I asked my mom what she thought of it. And she we talked about it for like 20 minutes. I asked my dad and he's like, I don't know, Joe, it was a cartoon. What do you want me to say? And so... And my dad, like, is a thoughtful guy. Like, I think I probably get my verbosity from my fucking dad. I know that he has the ability to think about the things that he reads and watches. And he just won't do it when it's a cartoon. And you're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm you saying you're being, yeah, you you're, you're, you're being willfully dismissive. Stupid. <laughs> you're right. It's, it's like a... A hang-up I know I have. Honestly, my favorite movie or, like, genre of movies is a biopic. Like, something based on a true story where I can tell... Classic engineer. I I know that I can relate to these characters because I can think about how it would be in real life. Uh If If it's not based on a true story, I at least need it to be grounded enough that the characters are so believable that I can buy in. But as soon as that breaks and I'm living in a fantasy world of fantasy characters in a fantasy land. So that's why you fell asleep during Doctor Strange. It was not because you were tired. It was because it deals with like pseudoscience and magic, literally. Yeah, but like I loved Harry Potter, but then I went to see... Because you are Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) When I went to see the latest Eddie Redmayne movie, and I fell asleep then, too. Yeah, because he's trash. Well, sometimes you fall asleep because you have good taste, but other times it's because you have bad taste. (laughs) I feel like I was overly critical of you saying the word important, and I feel a little bit dismissive, and I apologize for that. You don't need to apologize. I know The Matrix is just a movie. It really does feel hard to... Use that word. (laughs) Knowing everything else that's going on in the world and we're like, the matrix is important. (laughs) But I hear what you're saying. Like, There are definitely movies that are almost staples when it comes to being able to understand like the linear timeline of how movies change, how the techniques progress, how... You could say Avatar was an important movie in the sense that it changed how like 3D rendering was done on screen. And it was one of the first like IMAX 3D movies. Yes. But again, I feel so pretentious saying that a movie is important. And that's probably just a personal hang-up. Because I feel the same way about most art. Like I go to an art museum. And I love it. I love art. I love looking at art. I find it fascinating. But to be able to be like, this is an important piece of art. 
unless it causes what I think is important discourse around some important subject matter, I have a hard time labeling. I think in general, it's important to be creative. For sure. In general, art is important. I don't know. I'm sort of like coming around as I talk about this, (laughs) but it still feels like a a big word to use. Uh, Like art is essentially the fruits of expression. Right. I mean, it, when you connect with art, you connect with someone else's. I mean, you obviously assign your own meaning to it. And once someone puts their art out, out into the world, it takes on all of the the weight and the context of the of those who consume it. But you're also connecting with the artist inevitably. And I think that connection is really important. And the idea that you can connect with a person without knowing them, without conversing with them, without them playing a role in your life other than having created that piece of artwork is so essential to not adopting like a solipsistic view of life and and to being, you know, like less self-involved and understanding that there are other people out there who feel the same things that we do. And we know they feel the same things because they're able to distill us in other things. And The Matrix is one of those movies that I think like it it unlocks the collective imagination. It makes us realize what is possible, like what other kinds of stories that we can tell. You know, it it, it tells like big budget studios that hey, you can make a heady action film that deals heavily with philosophy and like that um, explores a bunch of themes and ideas that you know you might previously have thought would alienate people, but in fact, it actually satisfies some need that we have um yeah and i think that's really important it also i think is the first film to kind of uh demonstrate to people that keanu reeves is not like just some you know himbo he's not just bill or ted or whoever (laughs) no do you think anyone else could have played neo that's a difficult question there are definitely people who could have played neo but would not have produced that result like yeah. I think, I I think that's it, that's one of the probably one of the most uh, it, important casting decisions Oof. in uh, modern filmmaking. Yeah, I still like I'm really trying to get behind you on this, but the word important to me just carries so much weight. That's the other thing. Like Carrie Ann Moss, like is one of my favorite actresses. She's like she's so incredible in Memento and so essential to the Matrix as well. But I've never really seen her in much else, and it's kind of tragic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really important that you were here to discuss this movie with me, <laughs> because otherwise there would be no discussion. My well, coworker and I have an inside joke, or just a thing that we reference frequently. Lawrence Fishburne, like his full name, Lawrence Fishburne, is very, like, it's a very actorly or like filmic pseudonym for a person. When he was younger and he was in Apocalypse Now, he was casted as Larry Fishburne. And we always laugh. (laughs) (laughs) We always laugh at the contrast between Lawrence and Larry. Like, one is is a thespian and the other is a plumber. (laughs) Yeah. Can you be an important Larry? Well, especially with the onset or the popularity of Larry the Cable Guy, probably not. Lawrence David. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. I forgot about Larry David. I do like Larry David a lot. Yeah, me too. A lot, a lot. And 
I might go as far as to say he's important. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode, you're going to have to uh, pick something that we should watch that you think is important, and then you have to tell me why it is. I just, I don't know if I can assign that kind of weight to something. We're going to watch Schindler's List. Oh, no. It, But... Uh, profound tragedy is kind of like writerly shorthand for significance, you know. Yeah, but it's still an important tragedy. I yes. You can't be like that's a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> the Holocaust, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Do you have any wheel breakers? Wheel breakers. <laughs> I still can't believe that's that we so, settled so on funny. <laughs> that that's the theme song. <laughs> Wheel breakers. <laughs> All right, Jamie, this one's important. <laughs> I want to make you fully able bodied. All right. But you're going to have to move out of your parents' house. <laughs> that's it. Imagine that was it. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> I love my mom's fin pancakes on Wednesdays. I can't do it. If you were able-bodied tomorrow, your mom would kick you out. She would be so mad at me. She'd be like, Jamie, yeah, there's like, no reason for you to be here anymore. Get out. There's no way you can stay. Yeah, my dad would make me like, what's the the name of the thing that like water flows through after a rainstorm. A river? No. <laughs> that prevents you like prevents water from accumulating and like flooding your house. An eaves trough? Eaves trough. Yeah. The eaves troughs are blocked right now. And my dad is grumbling. We're trying to get him to hire someone to help him with it. Uh but but if I woke up and was able bodied, he'd be like, Okay, good news, Joe. Go clear go clear the troughs. <laughs> Would you do it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. My dad has always helped me unconditionally. Never complained ever. That seems like a good job for you. Yeah. So, will you take the deal? That's it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have to move out of your parents' house and move in to a McDonald's children's play place. <laughs> Please tell me you were out with friends recently and saw a McDonald's children's play place. I actually haven't seen one in the wild. At least not in years. Uh, they've they've retrofitted all the McDonald's to look like a fucking cafe. Yeah, they're trying to upscale themselves. Yeah, they're trying to make it like it's like kind of a... They're like, this is why we charge you $8 more for the burger. Yeah. It's a it's a strange vanilla corporate aesthetic. Well, they took a lot of heat for being like a non-healthy option. Even though everyone was, should have been like... Yeah, it's fucking I McDonald's. Know. That's why I go there. What are you talking about? Are you supposed to make a fucking... People were complaining a long time that it wasn't healthy. And that the fruit... Like, remember when... There was a whole wave of people showing pictures of their chicken nuggets have been out for years and looked the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah, no, nobody goes to McDonald's to be like, I should take care of myself today. And right. No one, no one starts off their New Year's with a trip to McDonald's. <laughs> So yeah, you have to live in a children's play place. <laughs> so let's just run it out. First of all, are you going to keep working remotely? 
This is such a good one. Oh, wow. So I have to like open my laptop inside of a of a, a slide, like a twisty slide made for a toddler. Yeah, only the box it. <laughs> Imagine trying to do office work in a ball pit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to fend off security guards and it's going to feel... No, you've made an arrangement. Oh, you really? You're to live there. Okay, but then do I have to, like, do I have to accommodate, like, little rugrat roommates? Well, yeah, they're not closing it down for you. Oh. It's not exclusive. During McDonald's business hours, you <laughs> may or may not be interrupted by unattended children. Is the uh, is the value meal extended for me because I'm a permanent resident? I just have to pay. Well, yeah, but like, can I get a cheaper Big Mac instead of it being like seven fifty or whatever? They're already giving you free rent. <laughs> uh, what about chicken nuggies? No chicken nuggie discounts. No discounts. <laughs> Maybe like if you if you make good with the guy in the back, he might throw in a couple extra for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that happens to the best of us. Right, it does. Yeah, <laughs> I always count my chicken nuggets, and let me say, I'm on a pretty hot streak right now. <laughs> like a hot streak in your pants from fast food <laughs> diarrhea, from too many chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only needed ten. The eleventh one set me off. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> I love this one. Yeah, I totally do it. That'd be hilarious. What about when you're trying to bring a girl home? What's your what's your routine? Do you just constantly try your back to her place? Or are you trying to embrace it and be like, yo, but you don't know anyone who lives in McDonald's? There's got to be some kind of ball pit con- Kama Sutra. No, but you might be able to invent it. <laughs> no. As the resident expert on the Kama Sutra. Yeah, yeah. I will definitively say no. I know because I looked through every page to try to find myself. It sounds like one of the uh, like a premise for one of those stupid documentaries from Morgan Spurlock. Like it would be like Playdate supersize me. Right. <laughs> Sorry, my imagination died just before I tried to make that <laughs> joke. <laughs> but your childlike wonder did not, as you were remote working from a brightly colored sled. I would definitely lose my job. You don't think you have good Wi-Fi in the McDonald's? Well, they would just like they would just be like, "That's not an appropriate office setting." It's definitely a concern. <laughs> you can't explain why this is your choice of living. No, you really can't. Like ever, no, you, there's no, there's no way you can talk your way through that. Once you could be like, oh, sorry, it's it's my niece's birthday party right. and I have to be here. But, you know, six months later. Six months? What about the next day? <laughs> it's a rager. We're still going. <laughs> it's a rager. You know, you only turn six months once. <laughs> we decided to stay here until she turned seven months. <laughs> oh, wow. Fantastic. Walk me through what you expect a date to look like. No, no. Hey, do I want to go to McDonald's? No, like, well, I pick her up. We. Do you think you'd bring her to McDonald's? It depends. On what? What chef is working that night? No, like, it depends, you know. You kind of got to, like, send out feelers for her thoughts about fast food. Right. 
I mean, like, you can like fast food, but I don't know if it's ever the best first date. No, of course not. Yeah, that's true. So then, but on the first date, you don't want to bring her back to your pad anyway. <laughs> yeah, especially if you live at McDonald's. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, on the fourth date, by the fourth date, you'll know if she's into Big Macs. <laughs> <laughs> so you can bring her back to the ball pit. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be that easy. No way. Well, it would be a challenge, but I'm up for it. I'll... I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm up for it. I want to do this. I think it would be funny. Yeah? Yeah, because imagine if I did it, and then I came to you, and I'm like, Tony, it's been a year, and I'm still a successful fucking able-bodied guy who lives at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll be like... You think you're going to try to convince me? <laughs> yeah. You'll be like, honestly, it's not that bad. The chicken nuggets really grow on you. <laughs> I learned the ingredients for the Big Mac sauce. They grow the size of your fucking waistband. <laughs> what do you put as your shipping address? <laughs> Ronald McDonald's house. Care of Blue Slug. <laughs> so goofy. All right, well, I'm glad you'll take the deal because I'm excited for the discounts if you end up working them out. Mm-hmm. I, was trying to, I was trying to think of a wheel breaker for you, but I can't think of one. This is the opposite of what happened last time. Yeah. It is hard to not have one prepared. Yeah. Sometimes you think it's going to happen organically throughout the conversation. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, then it's like every idea feels goofy. Right. Right. Yeah. It can't be worse than the ones that it's thrown out last week. <laughs> what do you go through when you're trying to make a wheel breaker? Is it like trying to embarrass me is it trying to make me a social outcast is it trying to like what what do you think has been your success usually it's like if i know that being able-bodied will be deeply embarrassing right yeah so you get to be 100 able-bodied but you can only wear one shirt every day and that shirt is just the wheelchair accessible parking symbol on it you can't explain it to anyone. But I'm able-bodied. But you're able-bodied, yeah. Oh, it would be so... People would think I'm, like, making fun of disabled people. Yeah, yeah. And I can't explain it. Do you think maybe there's a world where they would just think I'm an ally? Right. But you'd have to figure out how to have that conversation. I don't think so, though, because if I saw a guy always wearing it and had no visible disabilities... And wasn't able to tell me that he used to be disabled or has some first or secondhand experience with disability. Yeah. People would be asking you, like, oh, are you a social worker? Are you a yeah. driver? Oh, like, are you? And you can just be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, is your brother disabled? Nope. Like, did, <laughs> did, you, did you used to be disabled? No. Are you are you a volunteer at a privately funded hospital for people with cerebral palsy? No. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I don't understand. Are you a spec ed teacher? No, I work in IT. <laughs> you just wear that stupid shirt every day. This shirt? Oh, I like this shirt. Yeah, it's a great shirt. What's wrong with it? I can get you one if you want, actually. I have a pretty good collection of them. (laughs) 
like someone in a wheelchair like rolls by and you shoot finger guns at them. <laughs> hey, you want one of my shirt? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> All right, so that's it. I just have to wear yeah, that's shirt. That's it. That's it. You just have to wear that shirt. Yeah. Can I control the shirt at all? I know it has to have the wheelchair symbol on it. Can I swap out the colors? No. Can it's always it's always that cobalt blue. You can get a new one when it wears out. Can I rotate them through the day, like through the week? Can I have clean ones every day? Yeah, of course. You don't. So yeah, you don't smell bad. So it doesn't look like I always am wearing the same shirt. Just the no, same but shirt. on winter days, like you wear a cardigan that is the same symbol and same color. Right. What if I go to a wedding? Do I have a suit? Yeah. Your your blazer, your blazer like has the 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 wheelchair accessible sign on it when it's buttoned up, and and the shirt on the inside as well. Can I not just get a job in the field? that makes me understandably part of the community. Like maybe I start some sort of healthcare app or maybe I become that Uber driver we were talking about earlier. Well, but that's not very funny though. I think it's way funnier if you just work in IT. You're right, it is. (laughs) Maybe I'll work at the McDonald's that you're living in. (laughs) Right, yeah. You can make sure I have Wi-Fi for work. That's for when they close to the nugget. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do it. That's fine. I, I've gotten so used to people staring and asking probing questions and me just skirting around answers that I don't want to give. Attendants that are like, ooh, who are you with? Oh, is that your girlfriend? Just I can avoid those questions. Oh, no, that's what I've been doing to you lately. But I feel like it's... You've earned it. You can ask me those questions. Yeah, okay. And also, I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. I like both of those things. I like that I've earned it and that you don't care what I think. Yeah. I mean, I also don't care what the attendants think, but it's I know that they're gossiping regardless of my response. I know they are. Yeah, that's true. Fucking grapevine, man. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I'll take the deal. I don't think that would bother me. All right. Thank you. Well, this is a good episode, despite despite your complete aversion to the the film. Honestly, sometimes I like to turn it up when I disagree with you because I feel like it makes for a more fun episode. Yeah, keep doing like, it. I don't think I dislike this as much as I said I did. Uh-huh. I definitely am not saying I liked it. It still <laughs> sucked. <laughs> but I mean, like, I definitely handed up. <laughs> Keanu was just typing his email about how he wants to come on the show and then this episode drops <laughs> wow alright alright let's uh let's say goodbye to everyone alright goodbye everyone bye